seem to have quite a temperature difference in uh, different parts of the room, so it's, uh, I think it's about minus 20 up here at the front. <laughs> it's plus 15 at the back. So if you're cold at the moment, you can go and sit further back. If you're warm, come and sit further forward. Apparently we can't, <laughs> we can't adjust it. Tim thinks it's controlled from Moncton. So, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so find a seat where you're comfortable. There's plenty of room today. All right. If you don't want to see me, then sit behind a pillar somewhere. Just, just there or there. Who have we got? Who's missing me? Fanang. Fanang can't see me. <laughs> All right. We've been going through Mark's gospel, and uh, so you might want to turn to uh, Mark chapter 10. We'll go through that in a moment. Yes, as Brent said, what a great weekend. And uh, it's fantastic to see that video reminder. Um, And uh, hopefully you've been hearing stories about what God's been doing in people's lives. It was so encouraging to be at our life group this week and just hear different stories from people of what God was speaking to them about and what they were encouraged by. I hope you've been able to make it out to your life groups too. I hope you've been able to pray with each other or even in small groups, uh, friendships. Still opportunity to do that as we go through. Um, So we are going to continue our journey through Mark's gospel. We have reached the end of chapter 10 um, as Jesus Jesus and his disciples make their way up to Jerusalem. Um, The last six chapters of Mark's gospel um, cover the week of Jesus' death, just one week is covered in the last six chapters, and we're going to pick those up again in September um, when we come back from the summer break. Uh, Not that we're not meeting over the summer, by the way. (laughs) We're just going to do a different series over the summer. We're going to be looking at uh, the book of Proverbs uh, together over the summer. Um, Oh, there you go. That's excited some people. Um, (laughs) But for now, but for now, can't wait. (laughs) But for now, we're in Jericho, and uh, with, well, we're not literally in Jericho. Oh, dear, let me. We're, we're joining Jesus and his disciples in Jericho, 30 kilometers from Jerusalem. Let's get and read the passage, shall we? That might be a good idea. All right. Mark chapter 10, and from verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, um, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. All right. So, As Jesus and his disciples have got to Jericho, and just as they're leaving Jericho, there's a huge crowd uh, along with them at the moment. They're leaving the city. They're passing through the different streets of the cities, which would have been lined, actually, with a number of different beggars, not just Bartimaeus. Um, 
number of different beggars would have been sitting in the streets of Jericho. As many of us would be aware, um, when we see people sitting on the side of the street, um, panhandling, they can easily blend in with the crowd. They blend in with the background. They, we, we kind of ignore them. Life's going on. People are rushing by. Jobs to do. Places to go. People to see. Going on their daily business. We can easily rush past and ignore people who might be on the edges of society. There's a number of people in Fredericton who you may see on the streets panhandling. I wonder how much notice, I wonder how much attention we actually pay to people because they're just there. We can easily ignore them. Yet on this day in Jericho, one of these seemingly anonymous beggars is going to become the focus of attention. And his name, Bartimaeus, it's interesting that he's one of the very few people we know the name of that's healed uh, in the Gospels, but he was one of the beggars who was, who was on the edges. His name, Bartimaeus, is going to become known throughout history because of Jesus' intervention in his life. Bartimaeus is a blind beggar, and he will have begun the day just like he began every other, in the dark. I mean, just imagine what it must have been like for him unable to really look after himself, unable to see and to, and to take care of himself, to see how he himself looked, unable to work, no Medicare there for him, no social assistance, just relying on handouts for his survival. Each day he sits in his spot by the side of the road and he's sidelined. He's sidelined, just waiting for others, marginalized, an outsider. But as he sat day by day, he would have been able to hear what was going on. He would have been able to hear what the talk was. He would have been able to hear about the different events going on in the city and in Galilee and in, uh, in the region. He would have heard the buzz about Jesus of Nazareth, how Jesus healed the lame, how he made the blind see. Hope would have begun to arise in his heart. Maybe this was the promised Messiah. Maybe this was the one who had been spoken about, who would open the eyes of the blind, who unstops the ears of the deaf, who enables the leap to leap lame, to leap like a deer, and the mute tongue to shout for joy. Isaiah 35 prophesied about this coming Messiah. So just from hearing about him, just from listening at the side of the road, Bartimaeus began to believe Jesus, maybe he is the Messiah. He is the one. He is the promised son of David that had been prophesied about. So faith begins to rise in Bartimaeus. Could it be that Jesus could heal him? Could it be that Jesus could give him sight if only he could get to him? If only he knew where Jesus was, but he couldn't see. How would he know? And then on that spring day, he would have heard the noise. He would have heard the hubbub of the crowd approaching. What's going on? What's happening? He's listening keenly. And then he hears the news. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Of course, he doesn't know exactly where Jesus is because he can't see. He just hears the crowd. He hears the noise. Jesus is passing by. The crowd's large. The noise is great. But this is his moment. This is his opportunity. Jesus is passing by, but he can't pass by. 
He can't pass by Bartimaeus. And so Bartimaeus begins to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he shouts again, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Over and over again, at the top of his voice, Others could see Jesus. They could approach him. Bartimaeus couldn't. He had to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I mean, the crowd are getting irritated now. Some of you might be getting irritated. (laughs) (laughs) The crowd were getting irritated. They try and shut him up. They insult him. "Get, Get back. Shut your mouth. Come on. But instead, he shouts all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Blind Bartimaeus, the beggar. He knows his great need. He knows what he needs. He needs mercy. He needs what Jesus has to offer. He needs help. He needs healing. He needs God. This is his chance. This is his moment. He's not letting Jesus pass by. He's seizing it. He didn't even know, but but this is going to be the last time that Jesus was going to walk this way. Jesus was walking to the cross. He doesn't know that for sure, but he acts like he knows it. He acts like he knows this is his last chance. Jesus could have walked on by. He could have thought, oh, if only, if only I'd have had a chance to speak to Jesus. If only I'd have taken the moment. He didn't leave it to chance. He called and he called and he called. Because he knew that he needed God's help. And we need God's help too. We all need God in our lives. We need God's healing. We need God's mercy. Apart from Jesus, we are blind too. We're living in the dark. Apart from Jesus, we're sidelined from God's plans and purposes. Apart from Jesus, we live day by day, often just coping like Bartimaeus did, just coping, trying to make the best of life, trying to figure it all out, do the best we can. I mean, often we try and convince others that All's well. But deep down, we can have that despair and hopelessness too. Often many of us feel like we're just sitting on the sidelines while the whole life passes us by. Is anything going to change? Can anything help? Maybe that's how you're feeling today. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're feeling that sense of being on the side, being out of God's plans and purposes being hopeless, being in despair, knowing your great need. If that's where you are today, let me tell you this. Jesus is passing by. Jesus is passing by today. Yes, there are others here. Yes, there's a great crowd of people worshiping him. Maybe you're feeling, well, I can't push through. I can't get to him. But Jesus is your only hope. He's the only one who can bring healing to your life. He's the only one who can bring hope. He's the only one who can bring forgiveness of your sins. He's the only one who can bring mercy to you. 
this could be the day when it changes for you. Like that day was the day it changed for Bartimaeus. Seize the moment. Call out to Jesus. Bartimaeus calls out again and again and again. And then in the midst of the whole crowd, Jesus hears. And he stops. And he says to those in the crowd, call him. Call him. So the crowd called to Bart. Bartimaeus. They say, come on, cheer up. He's calling you. Cheer up. It's a joyous thing when Jesus calls you. Bartimaeus leaps to his feet and he throws off his cloak, probably the only thing that was worth anything to him at the time. And he comes and he stands before Jesus. It's his moment. And Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Now you think, well, that's a strange question. Why, why would Jesus ask that question? Isn't it obvious? I mean, the guy sitting there, it would have been pretty obvious he was blind. And Jesus is saying, well, what do you want me to do for you? Doesn't Jesus know? Yes, Jesus knows. Of course Jesus knows. Jesus knows exactly what Bartimaeus needs. But he wants Bartimaeus to tell him. He wants Bartimaeus to ask for help. He wants Bartimaeus to verbalize his need for him. We've already seen in Mark's gospel in the last few chapters, Jesus wants us to be completely dependent on him for what we need. He wants us to become complete dependence on him, and he wants us to ask him for it. The last time I preached, we were looking at uh, the verses just before this, and, and we saw that Jesus isn't looking for people to serve him. He's looking to serve us, and uh, we need to get hold of this teaching. In fact, we're going to just take a short time out because I just want to go back to that passage because it was quite interesting. We'll just look at this verse that I preached last time in chapter uh, 10, verse 45, where it says, the Son of Man did not come to serve, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Some people, last time I preached that, actually struggled with, with, with that um, as I said it. Because uh, I said, we're not here to serve God. Jesus doesn't call us to serve him. And uh, he didn't come to recruit workers like a company sends out scouts to a job fair to find people who can keep their company prosperous. He doesn't do that. He doesn't come and say, I need some more people to work for me. He calls us to come and keep coming to God and allow him to serve us. That's what we were looking at last time. It's him who serves us. Now, some people, because I had some interesting conversations after I preached last time, and some people heard it, and they just thought, well, that's heretical, and, uh, and even switched off and just said, oh, I'm not going to listen to anything else. Um, but that's what the Bible teaches. And uh, many of us have heard so often, well, we come and we serve Jesus. So, so when we hear something different, well, hang on, Jesus is serving us. 
That causes us to sit up and think. Let me encourage you, when you hear something like that that causes you to sit up and think, don't switch off. Don't think, oh, that can't be right. Do what the Bereans did. Now, do you remember the Bereans? The Berean Jews, it says in Acts 17, were more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message that was preached with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Let me encourage us all to be like the Bereans. So myself, Brent, Joe, those of us who preach, we'll be getting into the Word of God. We'll be studying. We want to preach the Word of God faithfully. We want to preach it accurately to you. But you have the Scriptures. You have the Word of God. Let's be encouraged to search the Scriptures to see if what is preached is true. We have to check it out because none of us are infallible. Sometimes I've had to come and preach and I've said, hey, do you know what? It's been drawn to my attention. I, didn't, I missed a few things. I didn't present this quite right last time. We search the Scriptures. Sometimes we need to just think, this is hard. We need to figure it out ourselves. We need to deal with it. So some people did that. Good job. Well done. And they came and they asked questions like, well, what about where Paul describes himself as a servant of Christ? So if we're not serving God, how come Paul says he's a servant of Christ? Good question. Let me just explain that. There are two different contexts for the word servant. We are servants of Jesus in the sense that he is our master. We submit to his authority. He sets the agenda. He tells us how we live. Before, we were servants or slaves to sin. And sin determined how we lived. Sin set the agenda. So we, we couldn't not sin. Now, God saves us. He brings us into his kingdom. We're new life. We have a new master. We have a new ruler. We have a new Lord, Jesus. He sets the agenda. But it's not the same as saying we serve God, we serve Jesus because he needs something from us. He's, that's a different meaning of the word servant. He doesn't need something from us. An easy way to, to see the difference here is that verse in Matthew 6 where it says, you can't serve God and money. You know that verse? You can't serve God and money. Well, what does that mean? It, doesn't, it means we can't have God as our ruler and you can't have money as our ruler. You can't have God setting the agenda and money setting the agenda because they'll take you in two different ways. Love of money, mammon. They'll take you in two different ways. You can't have them both as Lord. He's not talking about serving God in terms of bringing something to God because he says you can't bring something to God and money. Well, how do we bring something to money? How do we bring something to help money or mammon along. We can't do that. He's talking about who's our Lord. So that I, just, I just say that to just explain a little bit more last time because I know it raised a few questions. And maybe you're sitting here and thinking, well, it didn't raise any questions for me. And maybe I've just raised some now for you. <laughs> well, that's good because we've got to figure these things out. All right. So last time we learned that. Jesus wants us to be completely dependent on him for everything. Okay, time out over. Back to Bartimaeus back to Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus is coming and he's asking, he's answering Jesus' question, 
What do you want me to do for you? All right, here's another question for you. I'm going to see what you think about this one. Would Jesus have healed Bartimaeus if Jesus hadn't, if Bartimaeus hadn't asked him? Would Jesus have healed Bartimaeus anyway? Or did Bartimaeus have to come and ask? What's the second one? <laughs> you think he had to ask. Who agrees with Betty that Bartimaeus had to ask or Jesus wouldn't have healed him? Few people. Well, that's a difficult one. It's not easy, this one. All right. Who thinks Jesus would have healed him anyway? Who thinks... Let's go with people nailing their cup. Who thinks maybe? <laughs> Some of the people who've said yes, no, maybe. Some of us are like, I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> I would err between no, Jesus wouldn't have healed him, and maybe he would. <laughs> Let me explain why. Well, we've got to see, well, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about coming to God? Well, right, asking you will receive. Very good. That's one of my verses. Oh, look at this. We're getting some verses coming out. All right, let me pre- I'm going to mention both those verses in a moment. Let me, let me draw them out. Let me say from the start, God clearly says in his word that he is sovereign. God is sovereign. God calls people. We cannot come to God of our own accord. We can't save ourselves. It's not anything that we have in ourselves that we can do. Ephesians 1 verse 4 says, He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will. So, God is sovereign. So we can't say whether God would have done it or not for certain because God can do what he wants to do and we can't affect that. However, we have to hold that intention with other things that the word of God teaches. We might say, okay, well doesn't it say somewhere in the Bible that Jesus went around healing everyone? Well, it doesn't. Not quite. It says in Matthew 9:35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. He healed every disease and sickness. Does that mean he healed everyone who had every disease and sickness? I don't think it does mean that. I think it means Jesus could heal every disease and sickness. There was nothing that is beyond the scope of Jesus' power to heal. There was nothing too difficult for him in the power of the Spirit. But that doesn't mean that Jesus healed everyone that he walked by. It doesn't mean that he healed everyone that he came across. For example, in Acts 3, we read about a lame man who is sitting at the temple gate. He gets brought out to the temple gate, and people bring him out, and they sit him there every single day. Jesus would have been to the temple in Jerusalem at least, well, many times in his life, but he would have been at least three times over the course of his three years of ministry. And he would have walked by this man sitting at the temple gate, but he didn't heal him. Instead, Peter and John brought healing to him in Jesus' name when the man called out to him. 
So maybe not everyone is getting healed. The vast majority of people who Jesus healed were those people who came to him and were brought to him and asked Jesus for something, or someone asked on their behalf. Okay? There's 27 occasions that I counted in the Gospels, 27 different occasions, where Jesus brought healing or deliverance to someone, and only four of those did the person not ask for it, or, no, or someone else didn't ask for it. So out of 27 times, 23, the person either begged to be healed or begged on the behalf of someone else, or someone brought them and said, please, will you heal? Four times, it was Jesus' own initiative. Pop quiz, you can do it yourself later on, what are those for? Okay, one was the guy who, whose ear got cut off, the high priest's servant. Okay, no one asked, he didn't ask. Jesus just healed him. But on the whole, people came and they begged or they asked. What's the place where Jesus didn't do many miracles? His own hometown, hometown, Nazareth. So we see in Acts chapter 6, let's have a look at that. Acts chapter 6, verses 2 through 6. He comes to Nazareth, it's his own hometown, and the people are saying, well, where did this man get these things? Now it says in verse 5, Towards the bottom there, it says, He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. I wish I could do no miracles. Um, (laughs) Except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. It says, Jesus could do no miracles. So what's that? Has Jesus lost his power in Nazareth? Is Is he not moving in the power of the Spirit anymore? I would say no. It's that people didn't come to Jesus for healing. People didn't have faith that Jesus could heal them, and they didn't come and ask him to heal. Well, what were they doing instead? They were talking about, who? oh, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James and and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And it says they took offense at him. They They were just dismissing him. They would, there was still the same number of sick people there. But they weren't coming up to him. They weren't saying, Jesus, I believe you're the Messiah. I believe you're the one who's going to heal me. And so because they weren't coming up to him, because they were dismissing him, Jesus didn't do many miracles there, apart from one or two people. They were saying, well, what's so special about Jesus? Why should we go to him for healing? If we don't come to Jesus in faith, if we don't ask him to do something in our lives, On the whole, I would suggest it's pretty likely he won't do it. Now, he he may, in his sovereign will and power, he may well do miracles in our life. But on the whole, Jesus wants us to come like Bartimaeus and tell him what we need. At the time, people went to Jesus face to face. Now, we go to him in prayer. Now, we go to God in prayer. God loves to be pursued. God loves to be pursued. We see it again and again through Scripture. He loves to be asked repeatedly over and over and over, come and intervene, come and do something in my life, without us being worried that we're nagging him. He loves it when Bartimaeus calls out again and again. He's not irritated by Bartimaeus shouting out. He loves it. God is pleased to draw near to us 
and pour out his power and do wonderful, even miraculous things when we persevere in prayer and when we ask again and again that the Spirit work in our hearts and our bodies and our souls and our minds. But let me suggest something to us because I think we miss out often on what God has for us. I believe Bartimaeus would have missed out probably. That's where I'm putting my bets. I believe he would probably have missed out had he just sat by the side of the road and kept quiet. He was to call out to God. And I believe we can miss out on so much that God has for us if we don't call out to him. I think often what happens is we, we, we get hold of the truth that God is generous and he's abundant and he loves to enrich us with all the blessings secured for us in heavenly places. And, and we understand that it's all grace and it's all his grace and we can't do anything to earn his favor. But then we start thinking, well, God's just going to give it us whether he asks us or not. He's going to pour out these blessings to us anyway. He knows what we need. We're his children, so he knows what we need. Well, of course he knows what we need. And we don't need to worry about that, Matthew 6 tells us. But we still need to ask. We say, oh, well, God's a good God. He's generous. He's kind. He loves his children. I'm one of his children. I can count on him coming through for me. It doesn't matter whether I pray or not. The Bible tells us that isn't true. We've already had one or two of the verses just quoted from different ones in here. But here's some others. Isaiah 30, verses 18 and 19 says this. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. The Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. And then it says this. People of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. So there's an encouragement there. God longs to be gracious for you. One of the translations says, God waits to be gracious to you. He's waiting. I want to bless you. I want to bless you. And as soon as you cry out to me, I'm going to hear you. And I'm going to bless you. Here's another one. Second Chronicles 7.14 if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, in other words, come in dependence saying, we need you, and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and heal their land. God's saying, come in dependence and pray. Um, Russ had this one. James 4 verse 2, you do not have says James, because you do not ask God. I mean, that's pretty clear. James is saying to the church that he's writing to, the people he's writing to, you don't have because you don't ask God. You don't pray. You just assume. You just presume on his goodness. And he is good, but you don't ask him. And he wants us to come and ask him. Now, of course, he knows what we need. He doesn't need us to tell him. Jesus knew what Bartimaeus' need was. We don't tell him our needs so he can learn from them. Sometimes you hear people praying like that. Oh, God, there's this going on, and, and, and so-and-so, they're really sick, and they've got this. this. Yeah, okay, you, we, we can shorten our prayers a little somewhat. We don't have to give all the details. God knows. God knows. But we still come, and we ask him. He's not learning about them. 
But generally, God has determined that he's not going to fulfill our needs unless we ask him to. That's the general pattern in Scripture. And we tell him, and as we tell him what we need, we're ready to receive in faith what he's giving us. He wants us to have that expectation like Bartimaeus had, that he will answer us. Psalm 17 says, I call on you, my God, for you will answer me. Turn your ear to me and hear my prayer. There's a confidence there that the psalmist, maybe David, I can't, <coughs> can't remember who wrote that psalm, says, I call on you, my God, because you will answer me. Because, well, he'll answer you anyway. No, I call on you, God. I'm calling on you. All the way through, we're encouraged. God's a generous God. He loves to lavish good gifts on his children. But we're also encouraged to ask. 1 Corinthians 12 says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. But more than that, we're to ask. 1 Corinthians 14 talks about one of the gifts, the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. For, for the, it says, for this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. So we pray that we may interpret whether we're bringing the tongue ourselves or whether we've actually got the gift of interpretation of tongues. I wonder if we do that often. Do we, do we, have we, how many of us have asked God for the gift of interpretation of tongues? Or we just say, oh, I've not got that gift. Oh, a tongue's come. Okay, I'm just going to wait for someone who's, who's got that gift. Well, are we asking for that gift? And if we've got that gift of interpretation, are we asking God for that interpretation? Are we saying, oh God, will you give me that interpretation? Now, some people do have special gifts, supernatural gifts over and above. But I believe we can all interpret a tongue if we ask God for the interpretation. I believe we can all prophesy if we ask God, can we prophesy? There's been meetings where, where someone's brought a tongue and I've looked around and I've thought, there is, there's not many people who have that gift of interpretation who are here today. Maybe they're in the children's work. Maybe they're on vacation. And I've said, okay, God, I don't believe I've got a gift of interpretation of tongues. But I've said to God, okay, God, will you give me that interpretation? And then I believe God's given it me. But you've got to ask. Otherwise, we're all just sitting in silence looking around. What are we going to do? Just going to wait or what? Ask God for the gift of the, for the interpretation and then bring it. Don't assume God's just going to give us these things. The reason God came up with the idea of prayer, instituted it, is so we have a way of communicating with him that we can express our desire. But that doesn't mean just because we've got a desire that we've asked him for it. Is this the passage you came up with, Betty? I don't know. Luke, 9, Luke 11 Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who asks, the door will be opened. How much more, Jesus ends by saying, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Who ask him? We've got to ask. We've got to come to him and ask. Many of us here would say, yeah, I believe God heals today. Well, how many of us go and lay hands on people and ask, God, will you heal this person right now? 
It's no good just believing it. We have to ask. We have to press in. We come to God, our merciful Father, and it's things that we can't do ourselves and we don't deserve, but we ask him and he delights to give it. So let me just clarify as I move on. I'm not saying, we're not advocating a name it and claim it approach. We're not saying, you know, all we have to do is name it and then we've got it in Jesus' name, you know. Whatever we ask for is going to be ours. That's not what the Bible teaches either. That's presumption rather than faith. But we can believe that God's going to move powerfully. We can have hope that what we ask is according to his will. If it's according to his will, he's going to be pleased to do it. And, and we're so nervous sometimes of that name it and claim it, that, that kind of prosperity teaching, which is not right. We get so nervous of it that we think, oh, well, well God knows anyway, so we're not even going to come and ask. We're not even going to press into these things. We've got to press in. We've got to ask. What a wonderful, we just said we had a wonderful weekend last weekend. Um, God moved in powerful ways, but let me tell you, we prayed a lot into that weekend. There was a lot of prayer went in. We gathered on a number of occasions, people, we gathered people to pray just beforehand. Now, I mean, there weren't huge numbers. Who knows what would have happened if huge numbers of us had turned out? But we prayed a lot into that weekend. And God answered so many of our prayers. We've got to keep pressing in. We've got to keep asking. We've got to keep asking for this morning. We've got to keep asking for other things in our lives. We've got to keep asking for God to break through in our, in our city. We've got to keep asking God to save people. We've got to keep asking God to bring healing and deliverance to people. We've got to be, keep asking God to open people's blind eyes to lift people from depression, whatever it might be, to provide for all our needs. We've got to keep asking. Because God's still asking us, as he asked Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? We're going to pray tonight at TAG. We're going to ask God for things. He's asking us, what do you want me to do for you? Now, if we don't hear from God... If we don't receive what we've prayed for, that doesn't mean God's not heard us. There might be other reasons behind it. For example, God's not going to do something that we pray which is contrary to our welfare. We might pray something that God knows is not going to be good for us. I've heard some prayers. Now, you know what people are meaning, but I've heard some people pray, and I think, I'm really glad God's not answered that prayer. So, you know, the people praying for healing. There was one, there was one guy we were praying for, I was praying for someone, he had high blood pressure. You know, this is pretty dangerous having high blood pressure. And, and this other guy's praying with me and he goes, God, I just pray you'll take this blood pressure away now. And I'm like, that's not a good idea. <laughs> like, he, you need some blood pressure. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> there was another time when, when someone, someone was um, all blocked, blocked up, they were constipated. And they were... <laughs> they were, they were <laughs> And I heard someone say, God, remove this blockage right now in Jesus' name. I was like, no, right now. Just in a moment. <laughs> God's not always going to answer every prayer that we pray. Might not be the best thing. <laughs> it could be. It could be that our motives are wrong. We've, we've already seen in this last passage where James and John come up and, and Jesus asks the same question, what do you want me to do for you? And they say, we want to sit at your right and left in, in your glory. And, and Jesus says, you don't really know what you're asking. 
You know, you've got wrong motives in that. You're wanting profile and glory. He's, he said it's not mine to give even. Maybe our motives are wrong. The James 4 passage actually goes where it says you don't have because you don't ask. It goes on and says in the next verse, when you do ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you, that you spend what you get on your pleasures. So he's saying, you know, you might be asking to, to, for, for maybe financial blessing or whatever. But he says you don't get it because when you get it, you, you're just spending, spending it on yourself. You're spending it on your pleasures. Your motives are wrong. He says you ask with wrong motives. Sometimes God doesn't answer us if we have wrong motives. Maybe God has other plans. God's, God, Paul had a thorn in the flesh, whatever that was. Eventually, he recognizes that it was to humble him and keep him from being conceited because God had given him surpassingly great revelations. He says he pleaded with God three times to take it away, but God said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So it maybe was a physical thing. It may, it may have been persecution. It could have been all sorts of things. Maybe it was physical, but he's pleaded three times, God, will you take this away? And God's not answering. And I'm, I'm asking three times. Eventually, he realizes, no, actually, God's using that to humble me and to keep me from being conceited. So there are different reasons why we might not hear God answer our prayers. Another one might be if we harbor unforgiveness towards other people. Um, and then, and then God, God wants us to forgive so that we can receive from him. But we, we can still get hold of God's grace and recognize that he longs for us to come to him. So as I say, we're gathering to pray tonight. Please do join us. As God asks us, what do you want me to do for you? I, I believe that's just going to be the theme of the, of the prayer time tonight. As coming and saying, God, this is what you've put on our heart. This is what we long for you to do. It may well be, it may well be personal things. It may well be for the church. It may well be for the city. It may well be for the nation or the nations. But God's saying, what do you want me to do? Just come and ask. This is him asking we can come like Bartimaeus. We don't just encourage people to come and pray because we want a big crowd at a prayer meeting. We, we encourage people to come because outside of that, there's very little that we can see God do. We've got to ask him. And we seize the moment that we had today. Bartimaeus had heard about Jesus before. It's likely even Jesus had been that way several times before on the way to Jerusalem, but maybe Bartimaeus had missed him. This was his last chance. Hebrews 3.15 says, Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Don't stay on the sidelines. Don't stay on the edge. God's calling us to come and cry out to him and stand before him and say, Jesus, this is what I need. Bartimaeus went away healed. His eyes were opened. His life was completely changed. He received his sight. He left his old way of life. He didn't carry on begging. He didn't just go back to the sidelines. He left everything. He followed Jesus on the road. Probably the reason that we know his name is because he was known among Jesus' followers. People probably were reading this and saying, Oh, you mean Bart? Bart, he... He was blind once, was he? Oh, yeah, I know him. His life changed. 
He became a follower of Jesus because he pressed in, because he called out. He didn't let Jesus pass by. What about us? What do we want? Many of us, just talking to us, many of us need clarity. We want clarity on the way forward. We want to know where God's calling us. We w- many of us have got great needs for our family. Many of us need a job. Many of us long for healing. Some of us need Jesus to break into our dark lives and just give us hope and light. So let's call out to God. Let's cry out to him. Let's tell him what we need. Let's come in confidence. He's our good father. He loves us. He knows what we need. He longs for us to come and be completely dependent on him. He longs for us to tell him what we need. And then he will love to pour out his gifts to us, his spirit, his mercy, his healing, his wisdom, his guidance, his direction, his life, his light. Let's not let him pass us by. Why don't we pray? Father God, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you sovereignly broke into our lives. Lord God, I thank you you called us. But Lord, we thank you that we can come to you in prayer. Lord, we thank you that we are not just robots following a pattern. Lord God, we can come to you and we can express as your children our love for you and our need for you and our longings and our desires, Lord. And if our motives are good and if they and and Lord, if we're in good relationship with each other and you, Lord, you love to pour out your gifts and your answers. And Lord, I pray you'll encourage us this morning. Encourage us to keep seeking you. Lord, when the enemy tries to say, you don't need to pray, Lord, help us to press in. Help us to ask for you because you're our good father. Lord, we love you. We love you. Lord, I pray for those who might feel in the darkness today. I I pray for those who are sitting on the sidelines, who feel they're looking in, who maybe feel a sense of hopelessness, Lord. Lord, help them to come and call to you this morning and seize the moment. Help them to cry out to you and receive life and healing and salvation. I just believe to encourage you, if you are in that place today, I don't know, I don't know if there's anyone here who who really doesn't know Jesus and has never known his life and light in their life. Come today. Jesus died for you on a cross to forgive you for your sins, to take the punishment that was yours. You can know his life this morning. Come to him this morning. Father, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.